The Artist Life Podcast is brought to you by Real Creative Heart. Heavy the head that reps the crown. With love, your greatness is found. So rep your crown. I'm Karen Sabo, and we're coming live from Greensboro, North Carolina for Art is Life. Welcome to the Art is Life podcast with your host, Russell C. Holt, where we sit down with artists from all career fields and we discuss their perspectives on their art and what it means to them in life. So sit back, have fun, and enjoy the ride. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Art is Life. I am your host, Russell C. Holt, and I am in good old sunny Greensboro, North Carolina, where I attend grad school at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro um, for acting, and I am joined by a fellow student as well as an actor and director who directed me in my spring show of how we got here a oral history play um so yeah so this is the greensboro north carolina edition of art is life and my first guest with me is karen sabo thank you karen for joining me thank you russell for asking (laughs) (laughs) yes yes it was a pleasure it's all mine um so for those who don't know you, um, if you just want to give us a little background on who you are, how you became a director, actor, and sure. how you got to Greensboro. Yeah. Um, well, I always performed as a kid. I started out dancing when I was a really little kid and um, loved pretending to be other people. Uh, like a lot of kids do. I just thought I wanted to do it for a living, that somehow I could parlay that backyard kind of let's pretend thing into an actual career and um, I was really lucky to have parents who were very indulging of this idea and um, they took me to a lot of plays and I got to take a lot of you know after school drama enrichment Mm -hmm. classes and they drove me all over to community theater plays and stuff like that and um, I was really really dedicated to wanting to be an actor for my undergraduate education, which is getting to be a while ago now, because um, I'm a middle-aged person, um, I was looking at BFA programs, and I know you didn't do a BFA either, did you? No. Yeah, I decided not to. I just thought, I don't know, it didn't feel right, even though I knew I wanted to be an actor. Yeah, for me, it was more so outside society frowning upon it when they really weren't frowning upon it just more in my head thinking like oh yeah um acting is generally not um something that gets money or they claim you know outside of like the movie stars and stuff like that so it was just i think subconsciously something that i didn't want to major in just to make people happy like my parents and stuff like that that necessarily didn't care that's funny so it was more pressure you were putting on yourself yeah also too like um it's funny because I was when I was in my acting seminar class with uh Gully who was another one of my acting teachers um and I did my autobiography and I was Mm -hmm. just thinking back on like my journey and like when I was in uh junior college Mm -hmm. at Erie Community College Mm -hmm. um I was in like the financial aid office or something I just heard other students talking about oh yeah I 
something of the lines of, yeah, I hear um, some people are like majoring in like acting and stuff like that. Like, that's how you're going to get a job doing that. We're going to make a living doing that type of stuff. So I don't know if that stuck with me as well. Kind of obviously it did because I'm talking about it right now. But um, yeah, just like all that type of stuff. But yeah, acting was definitely something I did want to do. But yeah, majoring in it. Probably, probably yeah. should have, but you know. Well, but you know, you know now you are. Yes. I, I feel like it, it doesn't hurt us as artists to have these other things we've studied. You mm-hmm. did communications as an undergrad, right? Uh, yeah, some something. It was a media studies with mm-hmm. video production concentration, so yeah. it's working now. So. <laughs> right now, <laughs> yeah, you're exactly. using it, Pretty right? much, yes. Yeah, so I mean, these other things that we study allow us as theater artists to have more possibilities, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to produce our own stuff or write our own stuff mm-hmm. or have a wider view of the world. So ultimately, I was really glad um, that I, I got a BA in liberal arts. Um, I was really fortunate that I got to study at summer programs, four different summer programs that a lot of professional theaters will offer, you know, mm-hmm. and they'll have three, five, eight weeks where you go nine to five every day mm-hmm. and you do the thing. And that's where I got most of my training and I did apprenticeships, acting apprenticeships. And um, and it worked. Yeah. I got jobs. Isn't that amazing? Yes. I think it really helped regarding the thing that you're talking about where a lot of people who don't really know anything about the business mm-hmm. think it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, oh, you can't make a living as an actor, even though I watched three hours of television last night and all of those people are paid professional actors. Exactly, I mean, yeah. There's plenty of people making a living from it, and a lot of people just don't know how the business works, you know? Right, and that's funny you said that because I saw an article a couple weeks ago and it was, you know, labeling like the best and best to least um degrees to get mm-hmm. as a student and of course you know theater and, and acting is at the bottom yeah. and it's i find that <laughs> funny because like yeah as far as on average i guess as far as the statistics of like a, a theater artist or whatever making money on a regular basis com- like a stability stable income compared mm-hmm. to like another job mm-hmm. however it's funny but all those other professions that make all this money more than theater, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if you ask most of them, mm-hmm. the arts are in their um, daily life of yeah. watching TV, movies, listening to music, music on their drive to work. Yes. Yeah. For like photography, every there's like yeah. art is always prevalent yeah. in all those other um, right. professions too. Yeah, and you know the the longer I do this. The more I see, yes, there is such a thing as talent, but almost more important than that is drive, mm-hmm. you know? And if someone really, really wants to make it work, mm-hmm. very often, that's the most important ingredient in making it work. So I was really lucky, and I was a working actor, and I always liked um, stage work. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, if I want some stability, because I wasn't fond of auditioning, but I really liked acting, mm-hmm. I um, decided to pursue being in resident companies. Mm-hmm. And so I was in three different resident acting companies. And the last one uh, was at Barter Theater. And they're in Virginia, just a couple hours away, mm-hmm. maybe two, three hours away from here. And um, that was also where I started to direct. And there was a part of me that always recognized I wasn't like a lot of other actors who were just thrilled with any role they got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't feel the same way. I'd get a role and I'd be like, ah, but the script's not well written. Right, or like, right. why are you directing it like that? And I just realized I was a, 
a big picture thinker. And um, so that's when I started directing and found that it's even harder to get directing jobs than acting jobs because most shows have just one director mm -hmm. and you usually need more than one actor and there are no auditions for directors. You have to just like hustle your way into yeah, jobs. It's kind of hard to like show what you can do yeah. compared to like acting. Yes, and then even when I decided after having a career um, to go back to grad school, a lot of the grad schools wanted to see clips of my work as a director, but so much of the work that I had done at first was with the other um, Actors' Equity actors, and I wasn't allowed to use clips mm -hmm. of them or make recordings, and so that turned out to be a problem, was that I learned in a professional setting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I, I'm really thrilled to be in this program, um, especially with other mature artists, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, it's funny what you say too about people having this idea that acting is a really dumb thing to study. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, when, at Barger Theater, I became the director of education because I really liked teaching and feel mm -hmm. like that can also be an art. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I realized, even though all of my students, when I was doing that, thought they were all going to have careers, that they were going to be working actors, mm -hmm. I could tell that like 90% of them were not. Mm -hmm. And so I realized the responsible thing for me to do would be to teach acting skills for life skills. Mm -hmm. So when you study acting, no matter what field you go into, you can listen to people better. You can right. read the room better. You yeah. have better communication skills. You are so good you at- You can look someone in the eyes. Yes, without and being- And not be uncomfortable Exactly, about it. <laughs> right? you know what to do with your arms. Right, I mean, yeah. there are so many things mm -hmm. that make our lives better if we study acting, and yeah. um, I've started to write some essays about those things, and I call them the gifts of acting, mm -hmm. and they're all those ways in which those acting skills make our lives better in, you know, off the stage and outside of rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, so now do you consider yourself more of a teacher or a director or actor both all of them or um, are you leaning more towards just being an educator or? well I, i'm a multi-hyphenate artist yes. as people say now um but if i have to rank stuff um i would say director is definitely first and mm. then teacher and um probably then actor slash producer and a couple of other things like so that. So why directing? What, what, oh. And why, uh, why did directing uh, stick out for <laughs> Well, you? I'm a little ornery, which is part of the reason that when I was a kid and all these people would be like, ah, I don't study acting, mm -hmm. no one's really an actor, I'd think, ah, screw you, some mm -hmm. people do it, I can do it too. Yeah. And um, honestly, I think that ornery streak is part of what led me to directing as well, because as an actor, I would be in all these shows and I would be thinking, are you gonna direct it like that? Or why did you cast that person? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Or like, what's the concept here? Right. And um, I feel like a hypocrite if I'm criticizing something and not trying to improve it. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, I better try this myself. And right. when I did, I learned it's, I think, besides producing, it's the hardest thing in theater to do well. Mm -hmm. Um, the lovely thing about acting is that you can't worry about the whole production. You right. worry about your work in the production. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter if you have a scene partner who's not 
really there with you or they don't have much technique, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You do your work. Mm -hmm. But as director, you're the bottom line on everything, you right. know, and that means your interpersonal communication with everyone, the, mm -hmm. the um, big picture communication, you know, thinking about metaphors for the story that you're telling, making sure that, you know, the dramaturgy is appropriate, that um, everyone is behaving appropriately for the period, the time period, mm -hmm. making sure you understand the context of the story, you know, why it's an important story to tell in a certain place at a certain point in time, mm -hmm. you know? So it really takes kind of liberal arts thinking, you know, mm -hmm. interdisciplinary thinking so that you have knowledge of the context of stories. Yeah. And so what draws you to specific stories? Like, what are you looking for when you decide to direct specific things? Well, you know, I use a lot of food metaphors because I'm kind of a foodie. and I don't, As am I. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about sports, so I mm -hmm. use a lot of sports metaphors. So, um, like... Cotton candy's fine, mm -hmm. but I eat it very infrequently. And you know, when you eat cotton candy, like it disappears immediately. Yeah. You know? I mean, and it's, it's like nothing. Like I know. When you, when you, <laughs> you dunk it in water and it's yeah. like poof. Yeah. And there are shows like that that are just mm -hmm. like mindless candy floss for your brain. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. I consume those too. But directing takes so much of oneself that those mm -hmm. are not my favorite kind of shows to direct. Mm -hmm. um, so things that don't have any deeper meaning or that don't give you like a little nutrition, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. along with, um, with your candy floss, those are not my kind of things. But the kind of things I am interested in are projects that help audiences see things in a more complicated way rather mm -hmm. than a simplified way. So that project that we worked on mm -hmm. together, yeah. um, uh, that was a verbatim project, and mm -hmm. I've been interested in those for like 30 years, mm -hmm. ever since I saw Anna DeVere Smith when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And um, we're in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah. And um, like I think I said during rehearsal, when I was in college and I was studying the Civil Rights Movement, I saw that iconic picture mm -hmm. of those four young men on the Woolworths seats. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, for the, the Woolworths sit-in, and... I was really excited to get to come to grad school in the place where mm. that happened. Yeah. And one of those places um, where all of these brave young people protested in order to make the world a better place and mm. make you know America for more Americans. Um, and so uh, that was part of why I was interested in making this verbatim play that honored the place that we're in because it's a really important place in history. Um, I didn't like history class till recently, but my favorite way to learn about history is through plays. So I yeah. thought, you know, I'm going to learn from doing this project and if I can make this history seem really interesting, alive, and relevant for the mostly undergraduate audience, then that's me using this show to help people learn more and think more without it seeming like a lesson or seeming pedantic. Right. So I love projects like that. So my advice to you all, you history teachers, um, make make it interesting for students. Because I, too, was not a fan of history growing up, mm -hmm. but I am more now as I'm grown wiser and more mature. <laughs> but um, yeah, in class it was like, why are we learning about it? And then plus, too, with the whole school thing, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, how they're 
messing up that as far as te- deciding yeah. what to teach, what not to teach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, are you looking to do more devised work or do you prefer like more um, structural plays and storylines or do you well, like the devised um, Wrote. I I do really like creating plays. That was really fun to do that verbatim project, mm-hmm. and I've done a bunch of those. Um, I'm also a playwright, and one of my projects this spring is going to be to um, finish a play that I've been chewing on for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, and that actually is going to be a comedy. Um, it's called The Christmas Jew, and it's semi-autobiographical, and it's about a woman who's an actor, and mm-hmm. she's Jewish, mm-hmm. and she's in her fifth production of A Christmas Carol. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of about, um, uh, well, I'm interested in these issues of what it means to be an American. You know, right. I'm only um, uh, a second-generation American. All my grandparents okay. were born in the old country back in Europe. Um But I see that because um, I'm white, Mm -hmm. people will, other like white people, um, will sometimes view me as more American Mm -hmm. than friends of mine whose families have been in the country like eight times as long as Mm -hmm. mine, you know? And um, so the issue of like assimilation and Mm -hmm. how we can hang on to who we really are, but fully embrace what the country is supposed to be offering, you know, whether that has to do with, um, race or religion or gender or philosophical ideas mm-hmm. those are those are things that I'm interested in so I like directing plays that have something to do with um, stuff I'm already interested in like mm-hmm. that um, and I'm also interested in this new genre of public works theater mm-hmm. I haven't directed many plays in community theaters and I love the idea of it mm-hmm. but because I'm a trained professional actor sometimes it can be frustrating because the actors don't always take it seriously right. they're there to have fun mm-hmm. um, but this is an interesting mashup uh, this new genre of public works and it comes from um, Lear de Bessonnet's work at the public theater in New York City where they'll get they'll do a show with about 200 people mm-hmm. and like seven to 10 will be professionals. And then they have another small group of people who maybe used to be acting professionals and they've gotten into a different field or or they're young professionals who haven't really kick-started their career yet. And then they have like 180 just other people, Mm -hmm. you know, people from veterans groups or the domestic workers union or like an after-school education group. And they get all these people together to be in this show with the public theater at the Delacorte in Central Park, which Mm -hmm. is a big darn deal. And so these people feel seen and heard and Mm -hmm. included in this show um, at this fancy theater. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the kind of inclusion that I think is really good for theater and good for democracy Mm -hmm. as well. but the theater is very high quality because it's got professionals who are playing most of the leads. And um, so I'm looking forward to trying to direct a project like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, and I'll be teaching as well. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so prior to your um, coming here, what has changed or 
gotten better in your directing from when you were directing prior mm. compared to now what you've learned in school? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Because I came to directing from being an actor, mm. um, my strength is as an acting coach, and mm. I really like I really like directing students mm. because they want to improve their technique, and mm. that allows me to direct and do acting coaching at the same time. Mm. So that's really, really fun for me. Um, but because I didn't have formal training in theater, because I didn't study it as an undergrad, mm. I didn't know anything about design. Okay, I mean, yeah. I knew about costumes because I wore them, right. but the only thing I knew about lighting was that I was supposed to get in the light. I didn't know anything about how any of that worked. And um, that's been... Uh, a very significant area for me here um, is learning um, how to see design better, how to talk to designers better, mm. how to look at early sketches of design and have more of an idea of whether or not it's really going to be helpful to the story that we're telling. Um, it's helping me see pitfalls early on in design for what I want to stage as a director. Mm -hmm. So that's been enormously helpful, actually. Yeah, so when yeah. you're working with the designers and stuff like that, how much of it is a compromise or give and take when it comes to like the overall vision of what you're trying to put on? Well, um, before I got here, um, there wasn't much give and take because mm -hmm. I, I didn't really know anything about design. So mm -hmm. like the set designer would show me something and I'd be like, it looks great. I think we need a door over there. And they'd mm -hmm. be like, okay. And that was sort of the extent of the conversations. Okay. I mean, I would start with the designers by saying, this is the heart of the show. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the action that all of the characters are pursuing. This mm -hmm. is the idea mm -hmm. that is at the center of it. And then they would go from there. Mm -hmm. But once they got me their sketches back, I just didn't even know well enough how to read those in order to really have a conversation mm -hmm. um, but I do now mm, and yeah. um, that's really super helpful it's one of the most significant things I've gotten from my time here Nice. yeah and then another thing I've gotten has been um, as an educator mm -hmm. and because I have this other master's degree in liberal studies mm -hmm. um, I've been teaching as an adjunct on and off in colleges for like 15 years but I was really curious as to how people set up MFA acting and directing programs because ultimately I can see myself teaching in one. I would mm -hmm. really like to do so. So it's been really cool to get to sit in on some of your classes that mm -hmm. the MFA actors are taking mm -hmm. and to be able to look at the progression of stuff that they're giving the directors and see how these really good artist educators who run this program have structured this program so we're all building on the stuff that we did earlier. Right, yeah. Um, when you're directing, like when you do a play and stuff like that, do you have like added pressure or do you feel like pressure to like get it quote unquote the correct way of how the playwright envisioned or wrote it but we don't really have the we don't really know what the intention like we, yeah. we it's all interpretation yeah. um, but some of it is kind of straightforward or at least you would think so do you find that difficult or you find added pressure doing that you know I feel like so much of directing is about balance in a way a director has to be really respectful of a script. Mm -hmm. And I think it is important for us to mm -hmm. figure out the original 
intent and to do enough research to see what the original context was and mm -hmm. to try to figure out how, why it was done, why it was received the way that it was. But in a way, I feel like we also have to be irreverent. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm working on a new play, then I live now. So I understand, right. I have a better understanding of why this play now. But right. if I'm working on an older play, um, sometimes it can get in the way if you're too reverent. Mm -hmm. Like I worked on Glass Menagerie. Mm -hmm. And Tennessee Williams has some really weird stage directions in that about like it should be all floaty and gauzy and like a flute and the, like a memory. But the actual lines, the dialogue, mm -hmm. aren't like that at all. They're like a family in crisis where everyone wants to kill each other. And so, you know, I thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to be reverent of these stage directions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be reverent of the lines he's written. Mm -hmm. So we didn't do like gauzy flute music and make it like a dream. It was like a family crisis drama. Right. And um, it worked really well. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I felt like that um, ability to be irreverent and seemingly disrespectful of the stage directions allowed me to actually illuminate the play in a better way for a modern audience. Gotcha. So the stage directions per se maybe not doesn't really matter as much, you know, depending on the time and with the style of the play. However, lines. What is your thoughts on lines? Oh well. <laughs> when it comes to certain lines, maybe not translating yeah. um, to a mod like a, yeah. now a now and. A modern right. audience. Well, it depends on the play. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm, as a producer, because I have produced some theater, if I sign a contract that we're going to do a play mm -hmm. that it still has the copyright, mm -hmm. it always says on the contract, you're going to do this exactly as written. Okay. Now, I will admit that occasionally I will change a word or two, mm -hmm. but usually that's it. Now, sure. if I'm... If I'm working on a Shakespeare play, there are some really interesting issues with them, and mm -hmm. yes, I make changes, mm -hmm. and I hope Shakespeare doesn't mind. No. <laughs> but, um, um, you know, thinking about race, in Shakespeare plays, there are a lot of um, linguistic issues where, like, what is good is light, and mm -hmm. what is bad is dark, mm -hmm. and that has... A racist connotation mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah. I'm not saying that's how Shakespeare meant it but that's how his society thought of things right. and um, I feel like as a responsible person who's living now and who has an awareness that you know we're living with a lot of people with a lot of unconscious racism if I keep that in mm -hmm. I'm supporting those ideas mm -hmm. and so as someone who tries to be anti-racist that's an example of something that I will absolutely change in Shakespeare. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so um, we're coming up on what, less than six months of graduation. Wow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, you did your master production this semester, correct? I did, yeah. And it was a Shakespeare musical. Yes, it was. As you like it. <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about that experience? Sure. If you, if you want to. Sure. We don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, not every musical is 
the right match for me to direct, especially the mm-hmm. ones that are just um, cotton candy. Mm-hmm. But um, this was a Shakespeare musical, mm-hmm. and I I wanted to do more musicals, mm-hmm. um, and I I do loved working on Shakespeare, so this oh. seemed like a good mashup. Are there are there a lot of Shakespeare musicals, or is this like mm, one a of lot. or like is there are there a handful of there them? are oh, there God. are some Shakespeare musicals shockingly okay. I know um, this I've never directed one before mm-hmm. um, I've only done you know either or Shakespeare mm-hmm. or musicals so um, that was interesting mm-hmm. and also this was a Shakespeare musical that was originally done as one of those public works projects that have like 200 people in it okay and so I was really excited to get to direct it because Mm -hmm. then I could get inside a public works script even though we were doing it with 25 undergrads right um so yeah it was very interesting and I would say probably 40 percent of the dialogue 40 45 percent was Shakespeare's dialogue Mm -hmm. And then the rest was not, and mm-hmm. the songs weren't trying to be an iambic pentameter or using Shakespearean Elizabethan language or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was a really interesting adaptation. Yeah. And um, I heard from a lot of people that they thought they didn't like Shakespeare, but if Shakespeare's like this, mm-hmm. they like it. Yeah. And it just reiterated to me the importance of we as theater artists adapting things for our time right you know yeah. I mean if we had I don't know 30 minutes of the original text in this mm-hmm. but people liked the show that's good enough for me I yeah. mean I'm up to directing a two and a half hour Shakespeare play mm-hmm. but the audiences for those are relatively limited and I think especially younger generations are less interested in them mm-hmm. but the language is beautiful and mm-hmm. the stories are great yeah and um, once you know what they're saying exactly <laughs> right and you know it's interesting just to be a middle-aged person and see that people's ability to understand archaic language is really different from how it was 40 years ago because we're in such a more visual society. So um, that was a really interesting project for me. And um, it was great to be able to have all of these elements I'm interested in, like theater history and the Mm -hmm. Shakespeare and the public works and also Mm -hmm. musicals. And I used to do a ton of musicals as an actor, so that was really fun. And... And then also be in a position where it was all undergrad, so I was doing a lot of teaching and directing at the same time. And um, whew. so yeah, so um, I get that that segues into another question as far as like teaching students versus or directing students versus directing like adults or mm-hmm. like professionals outside. Yeah. Would that be the main difference? Is like you do you see yourself more as a teacher when you're doing it with the students? I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the tricky things about directing professionals mm-hmm. is, um, <laughs> well, our professor, John Gully, has mm-hmm. this joke that sometimes when you're directing professionals, they'll say, just tell me where you want me to stand. Mm-hmm. Right. They just want the blocking and they mm-hmm. want to take care of their entire right. performance themselves. Right. But if you want your show as a director to be cohesive and to have a real heart to it Mm -hmm. and have everything that happens emanate from that heart Mm -hmm. everyone has to be on board right you know so sometimes you have to like 
sneak in. It's not acting coaching, but mm. like the direction of the acting. Yeah. You know, it's got to be on the same page as the rest of the play if you want aesthetic unity. Right. But sometimes professional actors, they're not up for it. They feel like, I know what to do. I've done my training. I have, you know, 30 yeah. years of experience. Just tell me where to stand. Yeah. And you have to be like, okay, I want you to stand over there. But when you're standing over there, yeah. make sure that you're also like pursuing this thing yeah. that everyone else is pursuing. You've got to do Jedi mind tricks with them. <laughs> yes. So like some actors do want to be told everything and other actors don't like you were saying uh -huh. so it's yeah finding that balance and then like yeah. yeah and that's one of the tricky things with undergrads I mean here they're getting good training so mm -hmm. they know they're supposed to show up with choices made mm -hmm. and you know stuff they're trying mm -hmm. but sometimes with brand new actors like they won't even do that you know yeah. so you, you say okay you're supposed to come on stage now and they're like well where do, where should I come from and how do you want me to enter right. and I'm like you can walk you know, <laughs> yeah, let's try that like, use <laughs> and your coming legs. from the door yes, right the door yeah, yeah yeah so there is a happy medium mm -hmm. and um usually that's students especially mm -hmm. in a, a program where they're getting good instruction like right. here um so you've done musicals directing done plays directing shakespeare um are there any significant differences to the approach when it comes to directing those different styles of specifically like musicals versus regular like straight plays yeah yeah <laughs> um <laughs> with musicals there's so much collaboration mm -hmm. because they're so sprawling you need experts in the various fields right. you need the choreographer mm -hmm. and you need the musical director, mm -hmm. and then sometimes you also have the dance captain, mm -hmm. and then you have the rehearsal pianist. Mm -hmm. And um, when I'm directing a, st a straight play, mm -hmm. it feels more purely my vision mm -hmm. because we don't have those other people. Right, you know, right. every what everyone is doing is with my support and encouragement and direction. Mm -hmm. And when you're working on a musical, um, you have to collab, you have to communicate so well with those collaborators to make sure that the leadership that they're doing also has to do with that central idea and that we're all telling the same story. So um, it's just like these different levels of empowering and communicating with musicals. And with straight plays, it's more all the same. You know, you're you're communicating with um, the stage management team and the designers, mm -hmm. but then with the actors, it's more like on the same page. Gotcha. Um, so when it comes to watching your shows after they're done, so mm -hmm. I've heard like once the show's up, you know, the director's job's done pretty much. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, so like want to talk about how do you feel about that? Like, well, it, is it is it a ner is it nerve wracking? Like, oh, do you, like <laughs> it, it is, and it, you know, it all depends on the show, mm -hmm. how I go back and watch it, mm -hmm. and in educational settings, of course, we have really short runs, mm -hmm. so usually when I go back and see it, it's not that far from when we've opened, and the show hasn't changed that much. Mm -hmm. But um, like with As You Like It, we had two weekends, mm -hmm. and I went to see the very last show, mm -hmm. and I could already see 
a lot of growth mm -hmm. from our opening night, and I was really proud of the cast for yeah. that. You know, it was only like the seventh show, right. but they had really come far. But I've directed some shows in professional settings where we've had like 60, 70, 80 performances, and um, and uh, depending on the show, it, it, it's a weird experience to go back. Yeah. You know, sometimes I go back and I think, ah, I got this all wrong, <laughs> you know, and I should have gone in this other direction. Or sometimes I'm like, yeah, this holds together pretty well. I see now that I missed that, mm -hmm. you know, so I usually see areas where it could improve. Mm -hmm. And once or twice I've gone back after being away for, you know, a month mm -hmm. and the cast has started to do something really weird mm -hmm. that they didn't realize they weren't doing in the first place. And you have to go in and be like, okay, this one thing, let's cut yeah. that out completely yeah um yeah. gully calls that uh, the cast improving making improvements yeah and so he says when you're a director you have to go get rid of the improvements yeah how do you feel about that like do you encourage your actors to continue to try new things when the show's up or do you want them to like stay in the standards of doing the specifics yeah. and saying things a specific way if they were working yeah. before. You know, that's um, such an interesting question. It's one of the most challenging aspects of directing mm -hmm. is you have to build the road along with the cast, right? They have mm -hmm. to know, like, don't go over there because that's not the road anymore. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the shoulder of the road. Mm -hmm. We're going to stay on the road. You don't have to stay in your lane on the road. You can yeah. veer back and forth, right. but don't go outside of these boundaries because gotcha. that's where the wolves are. You know, gotcha. they're going to eat you. But a road, the reason I like the metaphor of the road is because you don't know where it ends. Right. You can keep going in that direction. Yeah. So That's a good, good, good analogy. Yeah, <laughs> right? It's crucial to do both. And mm -hmm. you want people to keep going deeper and deeper and yeah. deeper, but you don't want them to veer off the right, road right. and like start to make a new path. Right. And yeah. you, don't, you don't want that bumper-to-bumper uh, -bumper traffic either. <laughs> exactly, right. You don't want them to like fall down on the yeah. road. So you want to make sure the road has structure and integrity and you know it's going in the direction and everyone's going in the direction together mm. so yeah growth allowing for growth is crucial mm. but growth in the right direction do you when you watch plays in film or uh, what have you um is there a spe specific lens you watch them through? Do you watch them as a fan, as a director, actor, mm. a little bit of both, depending on what it is? or You mean when I watch other people's shows? Yeah, when you watch other people's as oh. well as yours. Yeah, either, either one. Or um, both, yeah. <laughs> I usually have my director lens on, mm -hmm. unless I'm really tired and then I don't. Mm -hmm. Um... Sometimes I have my producer lens on, like mm -hmm. especially if I can't figure out why someone picked that show to mm -hmm. put all that time and money toward. Right. Um, so it depends on the show. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if the show is really, really well done, mm -hmm. I just sit there and enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, and those are the best experiences. Yeah. But then, of course, I get out of it, and I'm like, okay, why are you enjoying right, it? What yeah. are they doing so well, and what can you yeah. learn from it? Um, do you feel like that stops you from enjoying the show like because you're constantly like looking at yeah. it and critiquing it and totally. stuff like that <laughs> yeah like even with um film and tv projects which mm -hmm. i'm getting more and more interested in mm -hmm. i'm starting to do some projects like that mm -hmm. um my husband and i just watched something on hbo max called the outsider mm -hmm. and we thought it was really well told mm -hmm. 
but we were also deconstructing it while we were enjoying it. Right, yeah. Like, oh, look at that shot. Look how yeah. they changed the focus on that shot. That framing was weird. Why did they pick that framing? Yeah. So we're, I mean, once you start making it your life, you know, yeah. your art is life. Yes. You can't really separate the two anymore. Yeah. So I can't just be a regular audience member anymore. I still consider myself a regular audience member. <laughs> That's why, like, in class, I'd be like, uh, I thought it was good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, trying to steer, you know, trying not to uh-huh. be that guy as uh-huh. much as possible. Because I don't want to lose that, you know, that magic of being a fan. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely, yeah, the more you do it and and also it helps you grow as well as an artist to mm-hmm. like find those moments and stuff like that yeah. but um i think just like with everything i think if there's a balance you gotta mm-hmm. like you know yeah take it with a you know, walk a tightrope as yeah it's true and as an actor i know you don't want to be too much in your head you mm-hmm. don't want to be watching yourself mm-hmm. while you're acting where at the same time you have to be aware of the conventions of the medium, you know, mm-hmm. if it's for camera or stage, mm-hmm. but that's just a little bit of your brain. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. feel like it's different as an actor and as a director. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, do you plan on doing any more acting or are you strictly going to direct and teach? Or? Well, um, <laughs> I have a solo show that oh. I do sometimes and my husband who is an excellent playwright um wrote this for me because i said hey how come you're writing solo shows for everyone else and not for me so he wrote one for me Mm -hmm. um and it's a lovely show so i would like to start doing that in some festivals now that things are opening back up what's the show um it's called furrow And it's a lovely piece. It's actually, um, there are two solo shows he wrote that are meant to be done together in a full-length evening. Uh, A duality show? Sure. Would you call it? Yeah, (laughs) sure. I guess I would. (laughs) Um, It's called People of the Book. And it's about two people who work in the same bookstore. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's also kind of about... You know, we're having some big conversations about immigration right now. Mm-hmm. And so they both happen to be about immigration, but it's very subtle and that message kind of sneaks in. Mm-hmm. And they're lovely plays. They're sad and they're funny. And um, my husband thinks people who work in bookstores are awesome. Yeah, I mean, so. and they get all the discounts. They can read all the books. and yeah. That's another thing. Growing up, um, I didn't really care for reading, uh-huh. but now I'm finding myself more interested in doing that. Oh, that's Especially great. with technology, you know, yeah. gotta gotta expand the brain. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you think that your acting studies has added to that? Because as an actor, you for learn to read sure. a script so deeply. Yeah, I think once I started diving more into acting. Mm-hmm. Reading plays, obviously, um, stuff like that, which expanded to reading other things, um, mostly on, like, financial literacy Uh (laughs) and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, and then just, like, novels and stuff. um, But, yeah, mostly plays still. But, yeah, I am expanding it a little bit more into other um, genres when it comes to plays, or when it comes to books, I should say. Because reading is fundamental still. But, um, so, yeah, so, like, yeah, like, we're, we're almost to that, that old doomsday 
graduation day yeah um in may um so what's what's the goals after do you have you well, thought about that or? i have yeah and i am going to start applying for teaching jobs because mm-hmm. i really do love teaching mm-hmm. um but the nice thing about it um if i get a teaching job in a university it's sort of like you're day job you right, know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean the nice thing is that during the summers I'll still get paid and I could go off and do whatever projects I want right. so I would love to for instance do a directing observership mm-hmm. of those projects that they mm-hmm. do the public works projects mm-hmm. in Central Park right. and go and watch how they put the whole thing together for the few weeks before the entire show mm-hmm. opens yeah. um, I have these plays that I'm writing and that I would love to do um, I have some um, Oh, I'm talking with a production company about turning how we got here into a film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have all these projects that I really want to do, mm-hmm. um, but I also want dental insurance. So, <laughs> so yes. I think that dental um, is important. Yeah, and so I think balancing teaching, which I love doing, with having the time to do these other projects mm-hmm. as well, it just sounds great. Yeah. So the answer to teaching or directing is yes. Both. Yeah. Yes. Yes and. Yeah, yes and. Um, cool, cool. Um, so what motivates you now? What keeps you going down this path of the artistry <laughs> and continuing to learn and grow and I just can't help it. Yeah. You know, I, I just can't help it. I mean, we all have paths not taken. You know, I think about what life would have been like if I were a pastry chef, for instance. <laughs> that would have been good too. Is that is that what is that was was that on that the was, docket? There was definitely a possibility yeah. going to culinary school. Um, yeah, I, I took a, a semester in high school for cooking. Oh, cool. It was mostly because I wanted to eat food. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Not because I had an I not because I wanted to be a chef. Yeah. Although I I consider myself pretty decent in the kitchen. Oh, really? I think I'm more That's of a great. baker. Uh-huh. Um, Me too. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. do it for a profession. I just want to eat the food. Yeah, well, that's why I started learning to cook <laughs> yeah. too when I was a teenager, because then you get to eat. Yeah. yeah, do have a food review show. We'll see about that. It's still coming out. Nice. <laughs> just a shameless plug there. But you know, some people like I've always known since I was a kid that I wanted to be. A theater artist mm-hmm. and I'm expanding yeah. into film and video but it's just the thing I've always done it's how I see the world and yeah. what I'm most interested in and it's you know besides food one of the few things in my life that has been constant and it's always been there yeah and it's it's for me too it's like been something that's always been something I saw as fun and something that I wasn't stressing about and even when I wasn't doing the theater stuff I found myself you know around my friends you know being a fool and doing funny stuff mm-hmm. um and then also sports was a level was a, a level of performing as well so like yeah. I've been performing technically since a child right. so like from when I was a child you know imagining things then going into sports performing in front of people and then yeah. finally actually taking the leap to yeah. be an actor and stuff like that so yeah it's it's been there all, all ever since, yeah. and, you know, once I, like, wanted to do it, and then once I got old enough and, you know, said, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do it, then, mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah, it's because, yeah, I, I, I don't see myself being a regular old, you know, office or any type of normal profession or whatever you want to call it. It's no disrespect to them, but, you know, that ain't, yeah. that ain't for me. 
yeah. I'm more of an entrepreneur <laughs> and artist and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. So um, any last words? Any words of wisdom, Karen? Oh, I appreciate well, you spending this time with me. Well, thank you. <laughs> I just um, I love art, and I think artists are really special. And like you started out by saying, we have a weird relationship with them. You know, mm-hmm. people like don't want their kids to be artists, mm-hmm. but they love their favorite actors and right, right, you know, right. they love listening to music on the radio yeah. so so let's go art and yes. let's encourage more of it in the world yes. it's about the things that make life most special yes also too i meant to i wanted to ask you if someone who wanted to be a director or anything mm-hmm. like that would you have any advice for them or like what, what would you say to someone if they came up to you and was like hey i'm trying to direct yeah. and teach and do all this stuff yeah i would say that Asking me that question is a great start. And (laughs) if you really want to be a director, go take classes, but also just pursue opportunities. Mm -hmm. Find shows you think are good and ask, find Mm -hmm. out who directed them and ask if you can observe them directing a show sometime. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, learn all you can. Learn about acting, learn Mm -hmm. about design, Mm -hmm. and um, ask directors a lot of questions. Cool, cool. You heard it there, folks. Final question, Karen. (laughs) When it's all said and done, take that as you will. (laughs) (laughs) What would you like your legacy to look like? Oh, gosh. I would like people to say about me that she did art that made the world a better place. Can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Karen, I thank you. Oh, also, um, is there any way, like, can we follow you or anything? Is there anything oh, we yeah. can... Uh, oh, yeah, keep, sure. Keep track of your journey. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm on Instagram, although I, I can't remember what the heck my handle is. But um, <laughs> my website is www.karensabo.com. Sabo is S-A-B-O. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm on Facebook at Karen Sabo Director. And you can also email me through my website. Okay, cool, cool. And then we'll find that Instagram. Um, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're friends. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Karen Sable. It's Karen Sable something. Yeah, something but, like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> righty, Karen. Okay. I appreciate it. Do we shake now? Oh, we can shake, yes. yes. Well, thank you guys for another episode of the Greensboro, North Carolina edition, second season of Arts is Life. And you know how I do always, guys. Peace, love, and blessings. Mm